on Peninsula Talks in just a moment. Piers Cunningham going to join us for a COVID-19 update. RPPFM, your local radio station, eight minutes past the hour of 11 o'clock. Piers Cunningham, COVID-19 reporter, is on the line. Piers, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Morning, Brendan. Uh, wonderful that you could, Piers. The good news is here in Victoria, at least, as we see unfolding at the moment, a New South Wales press conference with Sydney into lockdown. 14 new cases up there detected. Down here in Victoria, Piers, the story a lot better this morning. That's right. So zero cases uh, locally in the 24 hours to midnight and two acquired overseas, 51 active cases in total or quarantined and 13,176 tests were performed to give us those uh, results. Incredible. So at least here in Victoria, things are good. As I said, uh, we're just seeing the headline come up on the live feed from Sydney at the moment. 14 new cases detected, new restrictions going into the Harbour City as well. And also Mm -hmm. bad news from the other side of the ditch today because it looks like an infected Aussie also might have contaminated parts of Wellington, the capital of New Zealand as well. And uh, Miss Ahern and her friends thinking about locking down Wellington in the next uh, few hours or so. Lining up there to get tests to uh, try to reveal if there has been leakage into the community, but it's it's uh, not good news for Wellington. It's uh, pretty unusual for Kiwis to be experiencing that because they've had such a good run against the virus up till now. They have indeed. But Pierce, you've been doing a little bit of reading, and it would probably uh, be very uh, would be wise of us, I think, to get inoculated because you're suggesting, I think, some of the latest research indicating that in some instances, if you are brought down by COVID, it can have some long-term health impacts. What are you reading in? What are you seeing, Piers? Well, there's an article that's been published in the Lancet Psychiatry, so that's the British Medical Journal. It's a very well-regarded journal, and it's a study that analysed data over a six-month period from two, nearly 236,000 patients who were diagnosed with COVID, and researchers discovered that 34% of survivors had a diagnosis for either a neurological or psychological condition within six months after they were infected. So uh, it's it's basically suggesting that up to one third of those affected by COVID can have long-term mental effects, which is which is you know not good news. As you said, that does support the idea that you know vaccination is very important. There are some vagaries about vaccinations, as we know but they certainly seem to be preventing the worst effects. You may still be able to contract the disease if you've been uh, vaccinated, even even in some cases with both doses of whichever vaccine you're on. But there are cases of people who can still transmit it, even though they've been vaccinated. And that's been suggested in regard to the Chinese vaccination, which was offered to a lot of mainly third world developing countries, including Indonesia, our northern neighbour, it seems that while there may be some protection in, in terms of stopping the bad symptoms of the disease, what can happen is you wind up masking the symptoms and then going about your normal life and infecting other people. That seems to be the case reported from various countries around the world. And the, the article originally appeared in the New York Times. You were good enough to forward that one to me this morning. But it is suggesting that um, that, that Chinese vax not as effective at stopping the transmission if you've been vaccinated with it to other people around you. 
Indeed. Well, of course, China getting on the front foot, Piers, wasn't it? I mean, this was part of its big international world initiative to try and uh, convince the world that it was a good neighbour. And very generously, of course, as you say, 90 countries using um, the Chinese vaccine. But it looks like the experience of some of them is not good. The Seychelles, I believe, some parts of Africa as well, fighting a reinfection now. And it just doesn't seem like um, it's giving them the type of coverage or indeed immunity especially to the D variant first discovered in India. And a lot of people are coming down, huge numbers beginning to present in Chile, Bahrain, Mongolia and the Seychelles. That's right. And, and you know, the point is made that there was incomplete trials performed on that before it was made publicly available. And, in fact, there's quite a bit of information about that the China vaccine hasn't been made public in the way that normal sort of peer reviewing happens and publicly available information, particularly medical fraternity, is shared. Well, well, that wasn't the case uh, with the Chinese uh, vaccination. It was offered for free. A lot of the countries didn't have a lot of alternatives, but to take it, but it does seem that it's, it's not as effective in preventing those inoculated from passing on the disease. It's very interesting. I just wonder what about the efficacy of the Russian uh, vaccine as well, because it too was banged out very, very quickly without the usual tests and protocols like some of the Western vaccines where it'll be interesting to see. But you know what, Piers, I've just been reading in as well, I've just, in fact, just come across it, that it looks like there's been some more manifestations of COVID-19 in Israel. Now, this is a country that has been priding itself on some fantastic vaccination records. Um, 55% of the population now well and truly covered. But it looks like, again, that the vaccination program there is not covering all citizens. And it might be teenagers now that the Israelis think could be reinfecting the population. Yes. And this has been coming up more and more in recent times. It's the idea, you know, should we be stopping short of vaccinating those under the age of 18? And Interestingly, um, on the 21st, so just a couple of days ago, the World Health Organization came out and, and made an official statement that under 18 should not be vaccinated and that the safety and efficacy of doing so was in question uh, and that young people don't really need vaccination um, as they're not badly affected by COVID. Uh, and yet some countries, as you mentioned, uh, Israel, are looking at the issue of transmission between young people and uh, particularly with the Delta strain. So it seems to, that virus seems to have adjusted itself to affect younger people as well. So there's a little bit of um, mixed messaging coming out. The WHO, which supposedly speaks to the world and for the world, saying no no to uh, vaccinating under 18, but various countries are looking at just that very thing. Indeed. Well, of course, the Israelis um, used and have promoted Pfizer. Uh, That's pretty prevalent in the UK as well, because I see the Brits are also now having that debate as well, Piers. So obviously something going on around uh, teenagers, and it looks, and it's going to be very interesting to see where the Australian government goes on its policy as we scramble, of course, to try and get more of this vaccine into this country. And uh, it's getting a little bit political at the moment with the uh, Labour opposition really getting stuck into Mr Morrison, Mr Hunt et al in Canberra. Yeah, that's right. And one of the big problems is that, you know, while our rollout just of the first dose is actually really low compared with a lot of developed countries around the world, I mean, you know, we would have to be right down the bottom of the list of OECD countries in terms of the percentage of the adult population that's even had one dose. Uh, but 
countries that have had two doses, which are, remember, required to give you proper protection, uh, we're really very, very low in that respect. So not many people have had it. And look, my take on this, Brendan, is, as I've said to you before, is uh, I think that we had so little of the virus in Australia for a long time, particularly coming out of summer. And a lot of people, were, there was complacency. There was like, well, why, given that there's some stories about blood clots and you know, a few sort of iffy news reports going out there about some of the risks, albeit very small, you know, one in 100,000, one in 200,000, those kind of odds. But people were thinking, well, why would I run the risk when there's not much of the virus in my country? Well, now that we've entered winter, that risk has surfaced again. There are outbreaks. There's one in New South Wales that is getting worse. There's also one, as you mentioned, in, uh, in Brisbane and now in, uh, now in Wellington. They're, they're uh, hunting around for possible leakage of the virus from an Australian tourist. So, you know, it is highlighting that the, uh, the fact that Australia is low. The, the total vaccine doses administered uh, throughout Australia as at the 21st of June is only 2.73 million. Uh, 69,000 were done in the last 24 hours. That was to the 21st of June. Yeah, I mean, our numbers are low compared with those of other countries. People, you know, we've targeted certain groups, so the elderly and uh, people in, who work in primary care. So 3.57 million people uh, who work in primary care have now been vaccinated. Uh, but that's not necessarily with both doses. We need both to have the... Uh, the, the you know the proper effect and protection afforded. Indeed, and as you started off by saying, if the information and the research which is being reported by the Lancet, the as you say esteemed British medical journal, is to be believed, thirty percent of those that uh, come down with COVID go on to have some lasting um, psychological and other uh, well impacts as well, which are not yeah. ter- terribly pleasant. That's right, and um, you know, look, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of stuff on social media. In fact, Clive Palmer, the billionaire ex-politician, mining magnate, he has been sending out some leaflets. I believe he's been targeting residents of Hobart in Tasmania uh, and saying that um, you know, while he supports the use of vaccines which have approved approval for general use, such as measles and other diseases, uh, he says that he's very concerned by the emergency use of vaccines for the general population. And um, so he's kind of stirring the pot as, as well and uh, using his wealth to to kind of further muddy the waters and sow, sow the seeds of doubt in, uh, in our Tasmanian friends' minds. Indeed. Piers Cunningham, thank you very much indeed. Once again, Piers, very insightful, worrying trends. And as we were saying, as you came to where 16 new cases just been detected across New South Wales. So it looks like uh, Sydney going to go into some sort of further restrictions. We'll watch this space. The news, of course, will unfold across the day. Piers, thank you very much indeed for taking time to join us again here on Peninsula Talks. Pleasure, Brendan. I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Indeed. Thank you very much indeed. Piers Cunningham, our special COVID-19 reporter here at RWPFM. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Beyond Infinity. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au.